Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today we're going to talk about the last act as we travel through the story of God, and that's all to do with renewal. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. It's Richard again, and I'm here with Crixie and Molly. And we get the really fun job of doing the best bit of the story, which is like all of the good news, all of the victory, all of the stuff coming good, like God getting his way. Um, and so, yeah, this is like the most fun one. And there's loads and loads to talk about. But let's uh, let's have our Graham with a quick recap. Which <laughs> that's, a that's a nod to Blind Date blind on a TV dear. special. So it's any British people listening will get black. that. No one got Molly that, looks that completely joke. lost, no but we'll show you a video on YouTube later. If you are a fan of UK 1990s dating shows, then you'll get that joke. But if not, it's not our Graham, it's just Crixie. So we have been tracking the story of God. First, we thought about uh, creation and how we were created to be God's blessable covenant partners we are his image bearers and we are commissioned to spread goodness throughout creation in the second act we uh, saw how and we rejected that commission and chose to try and figure things out for ourselves making a choice that seemed to people like it was a good choice but that was a naive choice and then sin became a part of the world and a part of people and things didn't get ruined or destroyed just changed and changed for the worse and then last time we talked about how that kind of played out throughout i mean a lot of old testament history but with a lot of stuff that is like super relatable to us that is that we keep falling into um functioning like we're not on the same team as god even though he constantly reaches out to us Mm -hmm. to bring us back into his story because um, (coughs) he loves us a lot and he won't give up on us, even when it gets crazy, crazy bad. Which brings us to um, today and the part of the story where people have been like wrestling with the waiting. When will God do that final thing? I know he's been good because of what he's done in the past. I trust him to be good to me. But when is he going to do that thing that changes everything again so that we can go back to the way things were in the garden when we see God's redemption completed. Yeah, it's like the difference between, oh, I'd love to see God try again, and, oh, I'd love to see God succeed. Like, I definitely want the latter. Mm. I feel like we should have, like, party poppers and Woo! party hats for this bit. And, and it, like, last time we talked a bit about, um, like, relating Jesus to others, like sharing the Jesus story, sharing the good news with people. Um, so it would be interesting as we walk through this to talk about how this gets held out to people as something that's actually a Jesus invitation. But then this is massive for us in terms of this is the paradigm we live in. Like Jesus has come. He has done this thing. He's told us. He showed us. He wrote it down. And so, yeah, if the world's changed, we'd sure better be living as if it has. Mm. (laughs) Um, So let's do a bit of... um, I don't know, like the theology nerd part of like what difference does Jesus really make then? Mm. And so I'll, uh, this is <laughs> many, many, many books could be written at this point on, on that question. So we'll do like, we'll each throw out some high points we think of kind of a way of doing it. Okay. So I I think of the um, the sort of image bearer brokenness factor right so god you know he picks abraham and then before you know it abraham's like lying and like oh what are you doing dude and like david there and then he's like you know sitting with bathsheba and killing uriah and saul's there and he's getting all proud and hoity-toity and doing it his way and not listening to god and yeah you just got like this litany of like oh maybe you're the one uh no you're not the one you're a jerk um and so we keep bumping into this frustration and so because there's the there's two aspects to what we're looking for in this hope. One would be that like God actually sends someone who will 
crush the serpent, who will be a human who will go do serpent crushing and not fail at it. Mm -hmm. So we need a human that's better. But also the idea is uh, not that like, and then that person's going to get really frustrated because the rest of us are awful, but they actually help us get unserpented as well. So it's this twofold thing. Mm -hmm. And so this is where Jesus being God is massive. And so his, his birth, his entrance into the world is so different. And that's the Christmas story. But relevant to this, like why he can do what he does at Easter and why he can succeed is because he's God. Like God becomes a human being because, I mean, a whole host of reasons. But one of the reasons is he's like, my way of doing this thing I'm doing in creation is I want a human who are actually partner with me to fulfill the commission, the human design. And the design keeps getting broken. So he puts himself, he inhabits the design, puts himself in it, comes to earth and says, okay, here you go, boom, I've done it, mic drop. I've not just shown, not just example, not just demonstrated, but I've kind of recast the mold. Theologians call this recapitulation because gotta have a fancy word if it's theology um and so yeah jesus recasts the mold and he and he can succeed because he's god and so the serpent's got nothing on him that's why like the beginning of the gospels when satan comes to tempt jesus as jesus is like kicking off his ministry and it's like yeah you got nothing on me like no power you can you can you have all the power to tempt me but it, it ain't gonna work you can't succeed and then all the way through to like the last temptation in Gethsemane when Jesus is like, hey, I'm, I'm a human being now. So I've got like this physical embodied person and I don't want to die. I don't want the pain. I don't want the rejection. Like I don't want what's about to happen. There's, there's a part of my emotion and physicality that says no to this. But because I'm God, I'm going to be able to transcend every challenge and have the power to say, but, Father, what you will, that's what I'll do. I'll trust you. I'll do the thing Adam and Eve couldn't do when they were tested. They were like, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe we should do it our own way. Maybe we should like give in to the immediacy of what looks good to us instead of what God said was good. And so, they, so, so Jesus kind of like undoes the story, undoes the stuff that's gone wrong. And so... Like we, we get this human now who can go to war against the serpent and he's he's shown his credentials at the cross. Like he's he actually wins a victory where Satan now knows he's a defeated foe. Like he knows he's got nothing on Jesus and Jesus has got everything on him. Now, the world's still full of pain and like mm -hmm. there's a lot of unserpenting still to do. So it's an interesting one. Like as we say, you know, as with Easter time, you know, Jesus, Jesus's obedience, his recapitulating humanity, like everything he does, it, it's a, a huge turning point. Like reality has changed because a human mold is now, it's been instantiated in reality that's different. So we've got something we didn't have before and that changes everything. Um, but it's an interesting one because, like, Satan's defeated because he knows he's got nothing on Jesus. But Satan's going to go kicking and screaming. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's interesting now because our level of, like, you know, doing the thing that we're supposed to do in trusting God when he says, this is the way I'm going to do it, like, this is going to work. Jesus shows his credentials to Satan and is like, I got you, bud. You're going down shows his credentials to God, the Father, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to obey you. Like, I am the real deal. I'm the thing you wanted to make. Like, we've done it. Um, there's the, we're going to spread it part of the story in a sec. But he also shows his credentials to us. as like, you can trust me. Like, I died. I, was a, I, I defeated sin. And you know that because the Father vindicated me by raising me from the dead, showing that what I did was effective. And then brought me up, ascended me into heaven to enthrone me as a king over all creation, over the whole cosmos. And so, yeah, just Jesus being different. It's like, oh, we got something. That's the big spot, the difference to me. 
Like, Adam was this cool human partner, but naive and tragically was hoodwinked and, you know, pride and stuff got in there and distrust and ah. But now we've got a different thing. And 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 it works. You know, it it just, we, we for the... F- I I say for the first time, I I guess you get like the really naive, untested version of it working in the Garden of Eden. Where God's like, I've put you in the garden and it's an outpost and we're going to go spread my goodness to the rest of creation. We're going to go subdue. But that we don't see that start happening. So we've got like the really untried version. But then what we've got in Jesus is not just like Adam again, but actually we've got the success of Jesus not just going and hanging out in some Eden and being like, hey, look, things are back to normal. But also, and I'm going to go subdue, and you're going to know I can kill it when it comes to subduing because I'm going to actually defeat death. Mm. Defeat the one thing, the doomed to death storyline that has kept on frustrating everything God's been trying to do with humanity all along. I'm going to defeat that and show you that I've, I've, I've won. So... There you go. That's brilliant. Mic drop. End of the podcast. That's fun. Join us next time when Richard talks and we don't. Yeah, that's fun. I love God needing to be a person. Like, people made a people problem and then a person fixed it. But it was a God-sized problem, so it took God to fix it. And I just kind of love that. And I love that in Jesus we get a representative and like life comes out of like this one person for all of us and i love that we get an example like here is what people can do because like jesus wasn't a cheat code like just because like he showed up as god and was like now i'm impervious to like everything like he wasn't a cheat code like the bible tells us he was tempted in every way mm-hmm. you know yep. like he, his experience was in every way as human he wasn't a superhuman. As Iris was, yeah. He had to grow in wisdom. Yeah, he wasn't just like, those I'm, sorts of things. I'm going to walk through life and uh, nothing will affect me down here. Like, he he lived our life. He knows it. He gets it completely. And, I mean, it's just like because of that, all of what he did, we can put our hope in him because we know it's possible because he did it. And he did it as the second person of the Trinity and he did it as a human. Mm. So like we can walk in his ways, which even like sometimes articulating that out loud that we have the capacity to be obedient to God. Like we are maybe like more au fait with being like, yeah, but sin still and you know, so easily entangles. And it feels like we're still like living in the inevitability mm. of sin, that we kind of think at some stage or another we're going to sin because we're human. Instead of like righteousness is an inevitability because Jesus is our Lord and like he's already won. So like, but we don't think about righteousness like that. We think about, well, also, we think about righteousness as perfection, and there are plenty of people in the Bible who are labeled as righteous who were far from perfect. So we can throw that one away. But righteousness is our calling and our future and our inheritance in Jesus. I have no idea why I refuse to believe that and instead think that sin is still my inheritance. That's bonkers. Yeah. And we live we live we still live in a messy world. Sometimes it feels like we still live in chapter three of God's story where we're waiting for him to do something and defeat sin, even though he's already done it. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it it reminds me in Galatians five when Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do not therefore fall back into the yoke of slavery. Like he is declaring and reminding us of an identity that we inherited by and through Jesus that is one of freedom. And when I think about what ha- all that stuff that happened in the garden, rebellion against God, redefinition of good and evil, and then we see Jesus come on the scene and reestablish what obedience to God looks like, as well as 
a pathway forward of what goodness is over and against the evil world through his life, not, not, not even touching the death and resurrection part of Jesus, but the life that he lived was kingdom of God pushing against the kingdom of darkness. And it was this invitation to live into the identity of freedom, into the identity of flourishing in humanity over and against living in this kingdom of darkness. And that's a beautiful invitation. Before we even get to the death and resurrection bit, which is all the, you know, all the glory and honor and power of, of God magnified in defeating death and overcoming this evil by way of life again. So that's just, I think that's just what, where my mind goes. And I think we get trapped in this, like going back to what Crooksy said, the Reformation has, back in the 1500s, it, had, it did such a number in such a good way of reforming what needed to be reformed. But we've gotten stuck in some ways in understanding that the salvation that Paul refers to in the New Testament, this soteria, is three parts. It's you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. And we've camped out on the you have been saved justification by faith bit. And for some reason, we're so hesitant to lean into this you are being saved aspect of what is invitation to the way of Jesus being transformed into the likeness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit for the sake of others. There's this hesitancy, at least from my experience, a hesitancy to lean into a reality that is put on offer for us that we are being saved. Philippians 2 says, um, where is it? I should have been more prepared. Philippians 2 says, says dun, dun, dun. and now you're not going to be able to find yeah, it and we're going we to go. think you've made it up <laughs> yeah no this is this is what it says therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed continue to work out your salvation with fear and troubling for it is god who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose so there's this tension he's talking about here with regards to salvation that you are being saved bit continue to work out your salvation there is a participation required and that's participation is effort and not earning and that is established through Jesus. That is like good news, that there is a way of life that he has on offer for us, that we don't have to just sit in the, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, but that there's actually new identity on offer that he invites us into that we have to show up to. It's for freedom that we've been set free. Don't pick up that yoke of slavery. You don't need to anymore. And yet our human tendency, especially with the identities that we speak, speak over, of you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, is is a wrong way of thinking of where we've been positioned in the story of God and what we've inherited by way of Jesus. Yeah, God does stuff for other people, but He won't do that for me. Do you know? Like that's yeah. the whole deal. When I was in, uh, I, when I was in like my fifth year in, we high schools don't work the same here. Anyway, when I was fifteen, I was in English class with this dude called Chris McCauley, and like he was a wild boy. And then one weekend he became a Christian and he, he walked in the next week and he, like, Jim was, like, instantly a different mm-hmm. person, like, a different dude. And I was just like, oh, that didn't happen for me. God will do amazing things for other people, but he won't do it for me. I haven't been changed. And it's just then, like, that identity you're saying that you speak over yourself, that, like, that won't happen. Like, that happened for him, sure. So, like, that must be the way that it happens. But that hasn't happened for me, so that means that that must not have happened for me and then the draw is like back into the old way mm-hmm. but like it's it's just all lies and it's just all nonsense and like we have like I guess like we talked about last week like so many things that God does for us like personally and 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 we have like the whole of his story to remind us of how good he is and how he draws us back into his story like even just like this morning I got reminded of like my buddy Sophie um, she's nine I think and when she was born, she's born like really like super premature and had like a lot of like medical developmental difficulties, like especially when she was young. And uh, my, like my other buddy Ryan is a filmmaker and he was like going around, like I know Sophie's parents from church. He's going to the church and like we recorded like video messages for Sophie so that she would see them on her 18th birthday. And hmm. I don't know if there was, like, a part of me that was, like, she might not make it. And whenever she got, like, a little bit older, I mean, 
she's a fighter. She is like the fiercest, sassiest little girl that you're ever likely to meet. But there was a, a phase in her life where things were touch and go. And she was in the hospital and it wasn't looking good. And we went around to her parents' kitchen, like a bunch of dudes from the church. And like we just like poured out to God and like begged him to do something. I'm going to get emotional. Give me a second. So um, she was in the hospital. It wasn't looking good. But the only thing that she wanted to do when she was in the hospital was like put headphones in and listen to like that song, like Spirit of the Living God Fall Fresh on Me. Like I got reminded this morning we sang it um, together. But she was so young that like she got the lyrics wrong and she thought it was like blow through the cabin of our soul. <laughs> and like now, uh, emotional again. Now every time I sing that song, I sing at least one chorus, <laughs> blow through the cabin. And like she, she recovered and she, was like rescued from the grasp of death. And what like an incredible declaration of like how God takes people out of the grasp of death and into his embrace. Mm. Like her whole life is, like every time you see her, like you know. And then that's like a reality. I remember like the the day their dad told me that Sophie and her older sister Molly gave their lives to Jesus and I was just like what an incredible like declaration of how good God is that he he takes people out of the grasp of death and brings them into like his embrace and his salvation and then sometimes we think things like oh that didn't happen for me so maybe my thing's not real Mm -hmm. and you're just like this is nuts and every time I hear that song I have to sing Cabin and then I get a reminder and I'm pulled into like this is a story that like screams to me I will do incredible things Mm. and I can rescue people for sure and like those reminders like people like you need to figure out what your anchors are like allow them to like hold you steady Mm. in God's story like what are those things that like keep bringing you back in because those those things are important to remind us of the spiritual reality that we have been rescued out of the clutches of death Mm. and brought into the embrace of God no matter what it feels like in the moment. I'm a very feelings motivated person but there are feeling statements and then there are fact statements and sometimes it feels like we have not been redeemed at all but the fact statement is that Mm -hmm. we have been and we will continue to be and what we do in this life matters because we will either scream and I think God can do the thing or we can scream God really has done the thing mm-hmm. and he's rescued me and that's that's fun figure out what your anchors are and mm-hmm. like cling to him is, is good yeah mm-hmm. I love that we should talk a bit about like how that reality affects us in the sort of day to day um, like what it's what it's like to live under this reality um, I guess there's two two parts of it that spring to mind one is like how does it affect me personally but the other like you mentioned a couple of times it's a messy world so like how does it affect the world as well because jesus came had this massive moment of success so pivotal that like all of creation now knows that we're on a different trajectory and god knew all along because he promised he would do it but now he's done something to be like see told you told you I was going to do it now I'm going to keep doing it so it's like he's proved, proven his promise almost mm. um, but yeah not just is the world messy I'm still messy and so there's this sort of mm. you know how's, how's it affect me because uh, I, th- I think another like false narrative people have here is like oh so Jesus is going to succeed and that sort of means that if you ask Jesus to, he'll give you like a life insurance card that means when you die, you can go to heaven instead of hell. But for now, it's just a messy world and you're still a mess and it's that's not nice and, well, it, it stinks, but there you go, that's just the way it is. And that's not the storyline. And so I was thinking of, um, like in Second Corinthians, uh, there's, I mean, go read it, it's awesome. I'm not going to read it all. <coughs> I'm not choking up and emotional. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just cough, having a coughing fit. Um, 
But Paul talks about how, like, when it was promised and God was pointing to this reality in Moses, like, it wasn't a reality. And so people wanted it, but they weren't transformed by it. But now Jesus has come, he says, the veil's taken away, and there's like this access that's different. Mm. And so in verse 16, he says, now when someone turns to the Lord, the veil's removed. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so it's like we're, we're when we're, and that turning to the Lord is the sort of repentance of like, I'm going to change my allegiance. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like living under the act that says doom and death. <laughs> I've heard about this other act, and it's to do with King Jesus. I want in. So I'm going to leave that and turn to this. And then there's freedom in that. And, I mean, Hebrews 4 talks about, like, rest and peace in that. But then there's the transformative bit. Because there's freedom and because there's nothing in the way, because the the reality has come now. Like, not just, oh, I've heard a promise. Have you heard? Like, there may be a new mold at some point. Like, humanity might get fixed. But it's been made tangible. It's actually happened. And now that it's real, with unveiled face, we can behold the glory of Jesus and be transformed into the same image. Mm-hmm. So Jesus has, another word we could use is, is like re-imaged humanity. Like, back to the, and this is the Genesis language of like, the image bearer and so actually there's loads of this genesis hyperlinks when we talk about jesus it's really fun so jesus has remade the image but we can be transformed into that same image so like that's actually what's on offer and so like a, a metaphor i use for this is like if you had um like cancer in your bone marrow so you're doomed your trajectory is one way death but you might get a bone marrow transplant and like your reality has changed, right? Something's happened that fundamentally means you're you're different. But like if this happens, like so Molly's in the hospital, gets the bone marrow transplant, I go visit her the day after, I'm like, What well, do you like do you wanna go for a hike? Like, well no, you you still gotta recover from the fact that you just went through a whole long season where you were dying. And so now you need to get strong. <laughs> And that's the transformative. So it's, it's interesting because Jesus has done something. So things are fundamentally different. But when I say to yes to Jesus, and this was hilarious. Like when I got to know Jesus first time, I just like all the big miraculous bits of the Bible stood out to me. I just thought life was going to be like that. You know, just like pray for miracles and they happen left, right and center. And like one of my big things as I was like really addicted, not just to alcohol, but to like how being really, really stupid with alcohol bought me attention and love of others. And I and God was like really like a couple of weeks knowing Jesus. And he's like, that's, we, we got to do something. This is not good. And so I was like, oh, I'll just like, I'll pray that any desire I have for alcohol goes away. So I prayed that and it happened, you know, like overnight. And then I remember talking to the pastor a few weeks later and be like, I just don't understand it. So like, you know, I prayed for my first sin, I realized, and it went away overnight. And then, like, I've realized there's other stuff that should change, but it's it's not changing overnight. And the pastor's just laughing his head off. It's like, dude, this is not how it's going to work. It's a process. You know, I just thought, like, come on, give it a month. I'll be I'll be completely holy, <laughs> you know. And so we we live in this, like, it's a different act. It's a different paradigm. Everything's changed. And that means that actually the way I interact with myself, with God, with everything has changed. But the sort of tr- some of the the dirt, the grime, the weakness, the effects of the cancer of the last act, I'm still sort of carrying along in my body. But the reality scripture speaks is that it's actually changing and changing to an extent that. So this is like uh, Colossians uh, chapter one has another hyperlink where Paul prays for the church and says, like, now you know, Jesus, I'm praying, you will be fruitful and multiply. That you will actually, and and this is the sort of how Jesus is going to subdue. He went to sit Mm -hmm. on his throne and was like, the way I'm going to subdue is I'm going to use now the re-imaged people that I'm re-imaging, even though they're not complete yet, to reach more people. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, I'm going to come back. But I thought that Jesus came and died so that I would get to go to heaven when I die. So what are you talking about? All this stuff that 
down here. Does that make a difference? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. We we come from this like word picture of a bunch of people just waiting in the lobby, pressing the elevator button, waiting to get on the elevator to take them to heaven. And that's like the purpose for life on earth is just this holding space. And that yeah, is just kind of so like the cosmic crossroads. Yeah. You have to decide your destiny here, but right, there's right. really nothing good about it. Right. And it's just not consistent with the story of God. Like from the beginning, God chooses people, calls them out and tells them like, you're going to be a blessing for the nations. You are going, I'm going to bless you in order that you might be a blessing. And that same pattern that we find all throughout the old Testament is in the new Testament through Jesus Christ, that he makes us new but through his life, death, and resurrection, and commissions us and says, I'm going to, tra- like, you're going to be transformed into the likeness of Christ for the sake of others. Like, this is how I'm going to bring my kingdom and push back against the territories of the kingdom of darkness. It's through the transforming process into these reestablished image bearers. And it's messy and it's confusing at times, but it is a beautiful invitation. And this purpose of pulling parts of heaven down onto earth is the way that Jesus has ushered us forth. It's not a holding space. It's not, okay, now that you've got your ticket to heaven, wait in the elevator lobby for your time to go up to get on the elevator to heaven. Like what a waste of life that would be. And that's just so inconsistent with the way that Jesus lived his life. And if he's modeling for us what like humanity and flourishing can look like in the way that he lived his life, why for one second would we think that we're just here twiddling our thumbs waiting to take the elevator? I mean, we talked about last time the way sometimes it's really easy for the narrative to get told as like, oh, you don't know Jesus, so you're black as black. But this is almost like another false narrative over ourselves. It's like, yeah, I was black as black. And one day I'll not be, but I just kind of need to deal with the fact that I'm black until I get to heaven. Hmm. And it's a sort of really disaffirming, dishonoring way. Like God said, I've put my image in you. I've Mm -hmm. called you to do good things and I call you good. And you might be broken, but you're good. I'm going to fix you. To then just be like, nah, it's almost like... I don't know. I don't believe it or I don't actually think people don't want to believe it. I mean, maybe some people, but I think they've just been told the wrong story. That's like, ah, how tragic. Because actually it's a really exciting story. It doesn't mean everything's going to be easy, but yeah. Wouldn't you want to be inhabiting a story that says like God's victory is actually a reality. Mm. You're not just going to bump into and see, but you can be a part of building Mm. like, I don't know. It's like a sports metaphor. It's like, hey, do you want to be on the team that's going to win the Super Bowl? Well, like, well, I'd love to be, but I don't know. I mean, I'll go. I'll fight hard, but who knows? But if you could be told, like, no, you can be drafted for Team A or Team B, but Team A is going to win. Yeah. Like, that's a really different, like, training and mm-hmm. playing all the games that season. If you know it's going to win, you know, and that's, yeah. I mean, it's sort of otherworldly, but that's real. Like, that's true. That's something Jesus has done. Yes, all sport is controlled by the Illuminati to control the masses. So they already know who's going to win the Super Bowl yeah. next year. So. Spot what, what, is, what are you <laughs> where, where is it going with this? <laughs> Let, let's talk a bit about because that's a bit of like it changes us, but it's starting to get into, okay, so Jesus came, but then the world's still a mess. So what about the world, right? So... Yeah, are, are we doomed now to like want to be victorious and be really aspirational, but ah, it's horrible out there? No, because okay, great. All right, next I'm question. Gonna go with, <laughs> I'm gonna go with no, no, because like Jesus' whole deal, like God's whole deal through all of this story, is to fix the thing that God and people had going on in the garden where it was good, and like we've always had the image of God in us. We've always had that commission. We've been doing that to a greater or lesser degree, always, everyone. And like, I sometimes think about how, um, let's say like work is an important aspect um, to American culture. I've noticed that since I've moved here, like people really care about their work here. And God gave people the job of jobs like go work and that's a good thing to do yeah so when we work hard that is a good thing 
if you know someone who does not know Jesus and they work really hard, that is an expression of God's image coming out in them. It gets weird when the enemy can take good things and warp them and twist us against us to make like a thing that is a good expression of God into God for us. Yeah. Yeah. It gets crazy. But there are good things that people express that show that they have the image of God in them. Like generosity is another thing. Like Keithan, who's a youth pastor here, was talking about um, this Kickstarter after um, one of the tragedies in um, the recent American past. And uh, people's generosity, like far and away, um, exceeded what they were hoping to raise for like this one Asian family. And people's generosity is an expression of the image of God in them. And like, I would hazard a guess that not everybody who donated to that, like GoFundMe or whatever it was, was a follower of Jesus. But there's something, like there's not something singular. There's so much that's good in us because the image of God is in us. And that commission is still there. Instead of like, go subdue, go spread the good, it's worded as go make disciples of all nations. Like go do the same thing, like same thing, different name and like mm-hmm. work hard, be a good dude. Like just like do Yahweh things and show people that there is a good way to live. Mm-hmm. That means that you will be blessed and you will be a blessing. Like how good does it sound in your ears to hear that genuinely God trusts you to be a blessing to other people. Mm-hmm. Like he trusts you to do that because that's what he made you to do. So like we still have got all of this stuff that we can do in a world that is disordered. And the world that God created had like this like little pocket of garden that was like bang tidy. But there was a lot of like putting in order mm-hmm. that needed done same thing different name like Mm -hmm. let's just go and do Yahweh things it is it is hard because we're trying to help spread God on the external while we're kind of like doing a battle with how things were for us versus how things are for us so there's kind of the external thing there's kind of the internal thing but we need to like anchor that in the reality that Jesus has won, like full belief that he has won. So let's spread that good news that God loves you. He sees you. He cares about you. He accepts you. And he wants to bless you in this life and the next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Find me a person who doesn't want to hear that. Yeah. And that's why like God sending his spirit yeah. is so massive. Because we like our feelings, our perception of things we're going to keep bumping into moments of like, really? Yeah, but really? Like, I don't know. It looks pretty bad this week, you know. But God putting his spirit in our heart is the sort of the seed of a new reality. Mm. And it's because it's God. It's not just God didn't just send an angel or a book or a podcast. Like he sent his spirit. It's in, in the same way that Jesus being God was an indomitable reality. The spirit in our heart creates an indomitable new reality, a new creation in us. Mm. And so there's a sort of security because God didn't just do it in Jesus and then be like, it could happen to you. It's going to be really hard to spot. But he's like, no, when I give you my spirit, then that's going to prove to you that I'm doing something with you. Doing something with you. So that kind of as Molly was saying earlier, there's like the part of us that is saved and then the part of us that is being saved. And um, like we see that a lot. Like sometimes, I mean, we can call that sanctification or like we can call that whatever. There's loads of like... Theologians again, got to have a funky word for it. Loads of different aspects of that. But like there's glory that comes along with being um, made in God's image. But like the New Testament tells us that we're going to be changed from glory into glory as we're going to be made into the likeness of Christ. He wasn't an image bearer. He was the like image of the invisible God. So as we are changed, then there's going to be like a higher and higher and higher contrast between the way that we do things and the way that other people do things and like there's for sure overlap and like ways that we can like relate to people for example like the work thing we want to work hard but the way that we do 
will be different than mm-hmm. the way that other people do. So the contrast will emerge as we're made more and more into the likeness of Christ. And that means that there's going to be some things that we need to step into so that that contrast is highlighted. And work is a really important aspect of American culture. Like I've, I've seen that, like, and that's good up into the point where it starts to take over and control and be the only one thing. And then Americans need help in knowing how to rest, which seems strange, but is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This, I, I want to tee this up. We're, we're teeing something up for Molly here. We're both, you can't see, but we're giving her knowing looks because um, we want her to talk about rest. But um, I was just thinking how this storyline, like it's really aspirational and exciting, but sometimes you'd just be in the middle of a week where like, okay, yeah, I believe that stuff. Like God, the spirit, like Jesus has won a victory, but <laughs> it's, I don't like it this week. Like God also affirms doing this thing in a broken world is hard. And so Romans 8 is amazing. I'm going to paraphrase a bit, sort of middle bit of Romans chapter 8. Um, Paul says, like, the sufferings now don't even compare to the good thing that's going to happen. And he says the whole of creation, not just you, like not just planet Earth, but the whole cosmos, like everything, everything God made, all the angelic beings, the whole lot is waiting, longing for the revealing of the children of God when, like, they become the thing he's made them to be. Because the whole of creation, it was doomed to futility. Not because it's what God wanted, but God made it that way in hope that creation would become free because it got corrupted. So that's the Genesis storyline. So the whole of creation is waiting. And he says the whole of creation is like it's groaning in the pains of childbirth, waiting. And not just creation, but we ourselves. So we've got the first fruits of the Spirit of like, oh, a baby's on the way. Like this good thing God's going to like realize fulfillment of everything he planned is on the way. And we've got a bit of that inside and and we're going to see bits of it outside in creation. But we're in the groaning stage. It's like God's fullness of everything he wants to do is crowning, but there's a lot of pain to go through to actually get it. Um, and so, so, we, we're, and we, so we're groaning as well and waiting. Um, and, and then he finishes by saying, now we need to wait with patience and the spirit will help us in our weakness. So we can feel weak. We can feel like, man, I'm done waiting. And God's like, I love the, I love the fact that in the midst of this big cosmic story, God's like, yeah, but you're going to need me to like sustain you and feed you. Like you're going to need something to give you the resolve, um, you know, that that you're doing a hard thing. And so it's not just go, 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 go. Mm. Like that's actually not what God breathes over us, a sort of OCD entrepreneurship. Um, but there's, there's other ingredients in there. Mm. Yeah, so um, kind of going back a bit to what Crixie was chatting through with this balance um, that we see in scripture that maybe humanity has lost a bit is this balance of work and rest. And um, for those of you who have been following along, we've been in the story of God where we're saturating ourselves in the truth of God's scripture. And uh, this season after Easter, the liturgical calendar calls it Eastertide, uh, we're taking intentional time in light of the reality of the story of God that we are invited into. We are going to take some time to be um, intentionally learning a way of life that Jesus lived that invited us to say yes to the invitation to be transformed into the likeness of Christ for the sake of others by the power of the Holy Spirit. So backing up just a bit, um, I want to start with a story. So I I did my undergrad um, degree from Biola University. And one of my favorite classes from one of my favorite professors was a class called Jesus's Life and Ministry. And he would end each class the same way. He would, uh, in a very um, 
like pastoral and prayerful sense, commission us out the door, regardless of what we had learned about the, the way in life of Jesus, he would say, would you be covered by the dust of your rabbi? And the word picture that it intended to evoke was that we would follow so closely in the footsteps of our rabbi, our teacher, Jesus, that we would be covered by the dust that his feet kick up. And I, that, that word picture and that um, ancient Jewish saying has stuck with me uh, from that moment five, six years ago. And what I love about the invitation that that word picture evokes is that when we read Matthew 28, um, uh, Crooksy referred to it, go, uh, go th- therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Or another translation says, teaching them the way of life that I have laid before you. And all rabbis had a way of life, and we see Jesus's in the Gospels. And one of the invitations of the way of life of Jesus is this balance of work and rest. And it comes straight from the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments actually says, take a Sabbath rest for the people of God. This is an invitation uh, for free people to live into their freedom. When we think of the Ten Commandments, when we think of teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, we think of these like black and white Uh, legalistic rules that are set as a framework for us to make us feel limited in our human flourishing when in reality they are just a pathway for free people that's an identity we have we are free to live into their freedom this is what freedom living out freedom looks like is to follow in the way that Jesus has laid before us and one of those practices is sabbath which is an invitation to declare freedom from work And oftentimes in the American culture, whether we can identify this from a self-awareness perspective or not, feel enslaved to our work, where it has more power over us than we have over it. And therefore, we don't have boundaries and we don't have healthy rhythms in place to be able to release the tight grip that we have on work at the end of the day, put it to the side and say, I've done good work for the day and I'm going to continue to live the rest of my life. We don't have those boundaries set uh, as an American culture, but God invites us to have a beautiful work rest tension to enter into his rest. And what I love about what we see in the scriptures when he invites us to enter into his rest is his presence is always with us. So when we say rest, oftentimes the you know, language that gets evoked is self-care or, you know, doing things that we like to do. And there, there is an element of, of Sabbath that we'll get into talking about, like, what Sabbath is and what Sabbath isn't. But at the end of the day, the heart of Sabbath is intentional presence with God, to be at home in the presence of Jesus, which is the John 15 language, to be at home in God's presence. And so we're going to be intentionally taking time to um, meditate, to practice, to learn from our rabbi Jesus, to be covered by his dust, and to say yes to the invitation to one of the ways of life that he lays out before us, because it's actually... Uh, requires our participation, our effort, as Philippians 2 says, not to earn salvation, but a participation in being transformed into the likeness of Christ for the sake of others. It requires an effort on our part to show up to it, not because we're earning salvation, not because we're earning identity, but because from those places we receive life and life abundant through following the way of Jesus together in community. Yeah, and that's a huge aspect of this whole being transformed reality of us. It's not something that happens to us because God's design is still partnership. Mm-hmm. So like we still got to get involved. Yep. But I love that we're looking at Sabbath next because mm-hmm. there's still, um, I mean, he- Hebrews talks about this sort of Sabbath rest for mm-hmm. the people of God, that there is, there's an inhabiting the reality that we live under a banner of victory and peace that, that requires grasping mm-hmm. and doing something with mm-hmm. and and the, there's a bit of a story we haven't even told which is like this now and not yet like there's victory but there's still subduing to do will come to an end mm-hmm. like the end of the story jesus will come back mm-hmm. like and and in the same way there's like bits of when we talked about genesis where things kind of get to a climax point where god's like no further We've waited long enough. We've done, like, now Now I need to act. Like, Jesus is going to come back. So we're in this waiting. But Sabbath, 
there's this rhythm, like you say, of work and rest, but you had God had a rhythm of like creating and then enjoying. And he put Adam in the garden and, and gave him a rhythm of working and enjoying the garden with God. And and even like in Romans 8 here, there's a rhythm of like activity and waiting. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, this ebb, there's supposed to be a sort of ebb and flow. Um, and it's interesting. I'm sure we'll talk about this more, the way that Sabbath, I mean, there's a part of Sabbath that's just ingrained in God's design for humanity that won't go away. And there's a part of what Sabbath is to us that's a sort of lifeline in the midst of the messiness of the now and not yet as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're going to talk more about that. And so I think that's a good place to finish. We we kind of got to the end of the story. There's so much to talk about when we open up about Jesus. But we got some of it. We got So I hope, I hope that excites you. And yeah, go do some wrestling with... You know, as we sort of we finished really this period where we've we've spent a few weeks saying what's the story of God, because you you got to now go ask yourself like who do you think you are, like what story do you think you inhabit, and don't do the knee jerk like oh yeah of course I know that this stuff's true I know that's the story that I live under, but do you live as if that's the story mm-hmm. that you inhabit? And so, yeah, ask, talk to people, pray, and go explore that question because that's the whole reason we've just talked about all this stuff. So enjoy, God bless, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.